on this episode of Why Watch That. Pam and Tommy. Now, if you are of the African-American persuasion, this is not about Martin. (laughs) There's no way. Yeah, come on. That she would be in this bar behind tending bar during the day. Ain't no way ever. (laughs) Talking about some soup they got in the back. No. (laughs) But okay. And she runs it. She does. She Oh, she will run it. <laughs> Mrs. Hall. And she'll answer that phone, too. Okay. You have a call. You better have it right for Mrs. Hall. We love Mrs. Hall. And they have some of the best character names in all of television. <laughs> you get some dude named Top Model. We get new characters. We get someone called Little Monk. Who is that? And he is standing <laughs> back waiting. Why watch that as a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome, Welcome to, to Why, Why Watch, watch that. that. Critic? We just got a buy me a coffee page. <laughs> What's that? Boy, come on. It's a place where listeners can support our work for as little as $5. $5. Pretty much the price of a coffee. I don't drink no coffee. What you talking about? Well, you don't drink anything but water <laughs> and eat raw potatoes. But <laughs> I guess they can buy you a popcorn. How about that? <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, everyone, look, visit buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that to support our work or purchase our valuable resources. Yeah, you know what? We just added the TV trackers to help you curate a collection of shows you'll love to watch. So find this and more ways to support us at buymeacoffee.com forward slash why watch that. So Critic, are you going to buy me a coffee? Maybe. The Why Watch That Talk. Okay, we have got some things for you listeners. We're finally getting into TV. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) We've been talking a lot about film. It is award season for film. Um, It's also award season for TV. So let's not forget, we did have Mm. some, you know, we've got, we got all kinds of things coming through, but we are literally just going to talk about television and maybe some other things if you are nice to us. (laughs) So (laughs) let's just dive right in because We have like a complete, there is something for everybody in this episode. Everybody. No matter what your taste is, sci-fi, murder, mystery, the hard stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, Taste for murder. Nostalgia. I mean, whatever you can put your little brain to, or your big brain, or your medium-sized brain, or your tired and uncaffeinated brain, we've got something for you. So let's start off with... Netflix's new TV series called Murderville. I told you, we've got something for you. And, you know, just murder mysteries are back. Can we say that? I mean, Mm. how to get away with murder. (laughs) You know, how to get away with murder. We've got that one Hulu show with Steve Martin, you know, um, and after part, we've got all kinds of murder mystery things flying all over the place. 
Now, I don't know how murder mystery Murderville is, but it does have murder in the title. So what is going on here with this Netflix show? Yeah, and I believe they um, developed it from a British format. And stick with me here, everybody. This is how it works. So they have a cast of people and it stars Will Arnett as senior detective Terry Seattle. Very serious. And he has lost his partner. His partner's gone missing. Is she dead? Who's the partner? You'll see in the picture. And you did say Will Arnett. So, you know, we're already. <laughs> yes. You're like, what? Wait, what? <laughs> now, Hanifa Wood plays his boss, Chief Rhonda Jenkins. Oh. <laughs> oh okay. What is that? What is their relationship about? Hmm. Is it strained? Hmm. And what she says to him is, hey, you may not want a new partner. You're going to have to get one. And then we have other people. We have the coroner. You know, we have other detectives who get in the way of the relationship. Of course. The Seattles. Mm-hmm. And so on and so forth. So all of them are casted and have a script. These actors. Yes, yes. But every episode in their six in this first season, there is a guest star who plays... Detective Seattle's partner. Partner, yes. So the chief mm-hmm. comes comes in and says, hey, I got a new partner for you. This guest star does not have a script, <laughs> does not know the story, does not know what they're getting into. So the guest stars are in order. Conan O'Brien. Of course. Marshawn Lynch. Yes. <laughs> Kumail Nanjiani. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Annie Murphy. Yes. Sharon Stone. Of course. And Ken Jong. These are people who like to play. Like to play. <laughs> mm-hmm. So imagine you're like going in to almost an SNL environment, but they mm-hmm. have the script. So the actors kind of have to guide you where you need to go without you knowing it. But you have to speak. You have to be yourself. So it's all about seeing that tension. And Will Arnett, of course, I mean, it's just Will Arnett with a mustache and just being ridiculous. Yes. And like trying to, and then he'll say, like a lot of times they have this bit at some point where they have an earpiece and he feeds them what to say. It's stuff like that. So so it's that kind of thing. Now, if you're interested, it is hit or miss depending on the guest. Yes. Because one thing in improv is the more you say yes. You have to say yes. The better. Mm-hmm. And there's certain people who know how to say no. Like Conan O'Brien knows oh. when to say no and when yes. to say yes. So I Absolutely. thought that the best were Conan, Kumail, and Ken. Oh, dang. I was hoping Marshawn because that's hilarious. Marshawn was not bad. Mm-hmm. It's just Marshawn because he's not quite used to acting all the way yet. He has acted, but not all the way. Yeah, He kind of went too far. He was trying to be funny in a lot mm-hmm. of moments instead of letting it happen. Yeah. Now, when it comes to Annie and Sharon in particular, I thought they took it too seriously. They were really mm-hmm. trying to figure out the case because it's up to the guest star to figure out who did the murder. There are oh. three suspects. They've got to point the finger. And then the chief comes in and tells them whether they're right or not. Yeah. Conan so, is an SNL alum. So, I mean, yeah. no, no brainer, right? Yes, exactly. So watching it, you know what? I just thought to myself, finally some fun. Like even when it wasn't working, finally some fun. So that's what it is. Check it out on Netflix if you dare. Well, that is definitely something different than this next 
<laughs> or is it? Or is it? Now, this is called The Invoice. It's on Paramount Plus. It's about eight episodes. And, you know, I feel like we have to almost do an HBO Max clarification because um, there is a lot of mystery, no pun intended from the last. There's a lot of mystery of what's available on Paramount. Yellowstone is actually the confusion. Let's just yeah. let's just be yeah. honest. Right. Yellowstone is the confusion. Also, you know, depending on, you know, if you want to watch Shel- Young Sheldon, mm. previous season, like all of that. Let's just get clear. This is on Paramount mm. Plus, yes, the streaming platform. So if you go to Paramount Network and you're looking for it, <laughs> you may be thoroughly dis- disappointed. Yes, you will the be invoice disappointed on Paramount Plus. You have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and this is, I believe, it's coming to us from Mexico, our neighbors to the south. Mm. Hey, mm. hola, qué tal? Now, oh. What we have is two priests, and they are investigating a certain priest who seems to be coming up with miracles. A man died, and he brought him back to life. What? Mm. One of the priests is from Mexico. He was in Narcos, Mexico, the last uh, season. Oh, listen to that plug. Mm -hmm. Uh And the other comes from across the ocean, comes from Spain. So they go in and they investigate. Now, the one from Spain has a lawyer background. He's a lawyer. So he's skeptical. He likes to break the rules. The one from Mexico is very much, let's do it by the book. So they have that dynamic. Can they figure out what's going on? And do they know what they're getting themselves into? Because when Mm. they get there, they meet the priest. They try to start investigating. He goes missing. Mm. Why? How? Is there something that's really mystical going on or can it be explained? You have to watch to find out. Now, if you're going, wait a minute, this sounds like evil. It does a lot. (laughs) It is similar to evil. I would say if you like evil and you finished it, you want more and you saw 30 coins on HBO Max. And you're not, are you willing to read Mm -hmm. subtitles, correct? Or that's right. Okay. Reading subtitles, 30 coins was from Spain. The the priest, the actor who's played the priest from Spain is in 30 coins. Woo! So if you want a mix of that, the envoys might be your show. Uh-oh, there it is. It's on Paramount Plus. Now let's talk about somebody somewhere. Oh. I don't mean literally somebody somewhere. I mean the, the TV show, somebody. Yes. Somewhere on HBO, oh. so you can watch it live if you want to, but you can also watch it on HBO Max. Why would you watch this? It live? <laughs> <laughs> you well, you know, people love is if it's a if it's you know Game of Thronesy, you know, yeah. must see TV kind of thing. I'm not sure this is it, but it's already been renewed for season two, so yeah. it's good enough. And um, this is something that is not a big commitment; it's just about seven episodes. What's going on here? Someone somewhere is laughing. Are they? (laughs) (laughs) So now this show is about a character played by Bridget Everett, Sam. She's in her 40s. She's kind of despondent. She's come back to Kansas. She lost her sister six months ago. She's dealing with her parents again. She's dealing with another sister. 
Oh my goodness. And a brother. And the brother seemingly is always in the bathroom. They're like, <laughs> he's like, oh, dude, I'm in the bathroom. sorry. Now, her sister, the one who's still living, they don't really have the best relationship. They don't see eye to eye. She's also working at a place where they grade essays for standardized tests. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Muy interesante, no? So, or molto interesante, depending molto. on the language. Now, at this job, you know, they have quotas to meet, all of that. Is she really involved in this? Because really her dream was to be a singer. Yeah. And she meets a friend at this job, Joel, played by Jeff Hiller. And Joel invites her into almost a secret society of people. They claim to be having choir practice in the mall at night when it's closed. <laughs> now, the reason they're saying that is I believe there's a church in the mall and that's what they've rented. So it's okay. choir practice. But really, this is a place for people to come up and do almost like an open mic kind of thing. Oh, And okay. these are people who don't fit in all different kinds of ways. So has she found her people? And what is this relationship with Joel going to be like with her family? And is she going to find a way to, you know, be somebody somewhere? Mm -hmm. Now, what I'll say about this show is they let it breathe, these moments. So keep that in mind. I don't find that bad. Do I love it? No, I think it's pretty good. If you're interested, this is what I would say. Because it comes from the Duplass brothers. They are producing. Mm-hmm. If you like their stuff in particular togetherness, along with a show that Showtime canceled, work in progress, this is probably for you. All right. Well, let's move on to some nostalgia because I remember, I mean, I'm dating myself. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, Critic, but I remember when the scandal came out and it really did set off. Yeah. It set off other celebrities experiencing the same thing and you kind of wonder yeah and we're talking about pam and tommy now if you are of the african-american persuasion this is not about martin (laughs) (laughs) what's going everybody on social media is just like completely missed that okay (laughs) (laughs) this is not about martin this is another pam and tommy that if you survived the 90s, <laughs> you both of them were in the 90s. So, I mean, really, yeah. what can you say? Yes. This is Pamela Anderson. And, of course, Tommy, her famous husband, Tommy, or, or the other way, depending on how yeah. you do it, how you want to do it. And the scandal behind one of the first of many, yeah. we'll say, chains of invasive privacy uh, when mm-hmm. it comes to what you like to do in the bedroom. Yeah. A uh, uh, private sex tape. I mean, that. You know, yes. Hello. Yeah. Okay. We'll just. It say. was the first. Um, and this show, it goes into how that happened. Mm. So we have Lily James playing Pam. Shocking when they said that casting. Were you shocked? Yeah. Were you like, what? I was like, oh. But then when you see the picture, you're like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Got, it. Got it. And Sebastian Stan is playing Tommy. Makes sense to me. Yes. When you see them, you go, oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Makes perfect sense. But do you know that Seth Rogen is in this? He is. And. 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 and Nick Offerman. Yes. (laughs) 
Also, Taylor Schilling's in it from Orange is the New yeah. Black. Mm-hmm, now, mm-hmm. Seth is playing Rand Gauthier, who mm. is the carpenter working in Tommy's home. Tommy is having his mansion remodeled. The whole thing. Yes. And Nick Offerman plays Uncle Milty, who has a job in a particular industry where this kind of uh, product might be useful. I'll put it that way. You know, and he has a mullet and all that other kinds of stuff. <laughs> so what the problem uh. is this, Tommy will not pay the people their money when they're working on his house. Rand is sick and tired of it. And Rand is also a philosophical kind of guy. He studied, you know, all the major religions. Sorry, we're assuming that yeah. the Gen Zers oh. know who. Can you just yes. briefly? Why are we? Why is yes. your show about this? Yeah. Pamela Anderson, excuse me, Baywatch, which was like the biggest show in the world. The first, ba- yes, with yes. the running and the you know, yes, and yes, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know who it, <laughs> and then Tommy. The <laughs> yes, 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 and Tommy Lee, drummer, famous drummer. Come on now. From Motley Crue. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Famous 80s mm-hmm. rock band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is what's happening. He won't pay these people. He keeps changing his mind. Rand wants his money, essentially. How does he get it? He finds a sex tape. He doesn't know what he's found, by the way, wait, until wait. he starts playing it in front of Nick Offerman. And they go, oh, how can we get this out? Now, how can you get it out? This is the early days of the internet as we know it. Yes. Okay, so it's not mm-hmm. so easy just to post it. Who's going to do it? How are you going to get money? You'll see how that plays out. In addition, you see how Pam and Tommy met. What was that like? Hmm. Remember, Tommy Lee was married to Heather Lockweir. We just have to... And they name get- drop people. Oh, shoot. Is okay. she better? Are you better than Heather and others? I'm not going to name them. They do it. I'm not going to name these women. Don't do it. So you see that play out. You also get to learn little things like, what is Pam's favorite movie? Getting to know you, getting to know all about you. So it's some silliness with something dark going on underneath. Mm. Now, this is the thing, though, about this show. I was more interested in The Carpenter (laughs) and Seth Rogen. Then, and Nick Offerman and everybody that comes with them, then Pam and Tommy, I just didn't care about them. I mean, look, the actors are doing their jobs. Lily James and Sebastian Stan are doing everything you could do. It's just, is there anything to them other than, oh, you know, we kind of, let's get married and, you know, have fun. It just didn't. (sighs) Now, this will be for certain people who want to see certain things on the TV. It is on Hulu. So they show it. Okay, that's actually, thank you for that. Um, yes. Thank you for letting everybody know that this is not just some nostalgia that you want to drag your no. teenagers to watch with. Okay. This is all the way. There is okay. even a scene where a certain appendage speaks to Tommy. Okay. And you see it speaking. So if that sounds like you're kind of like, <laughs> the ref is just going through that then this is Pam and Tommy. Is it bad? No, I just, I didn't really care. So. Well, there you have nostalgia. Promised Land on ABC is here. Yeah. Now this is, it's not highly, (laughs) 
it's not on purpose, but we, for some reason, broadcast, we haven't really been digging our heels in broadcast shows, but it's nice ever so often to see what's going on in the good old dusty town of broadcast. (laughs) Yeah. And this show is really set in two different timelines. So we're in California, essentially, and at the border. And in 1987, we see two sisters crossing. They meet a young man. So they're going to be illegal. Are they safe? Now, they have a certain destination he does, but he wants them to come with him because his brother is already in California, is working in a vineyard, and he can get them, you know, fake documents, all of that. Now, something happens that complicates all of this. Does everybody make it? Now, we also see this vineyard today. And this vineyard is owned by a man played by John Ortiz, one of my favorite actors, Joe Sandoval. He's the patriarch of the Sandoval family. You know, they're running things. Now, his oldest daughter wants to take over. Will he let her? His uh, oldest son, there's a strained relationship. He was sent or left and went to New York and is now coming back. What's that about? And what happened is he has three children with his former wife, who is an enemy. And his former wife is played by Scandal's Bellamy Young. Now, she blames him for taking her family's vineyard. He bought it from her father. What were the circumstances? Mm. And she wants it back. She owns hotels, all this stuff. Okay. Now, he remarried 20 years ago. And he has a son with his new wife. Now, his wife, she has her own kid, too. And something's going on with him. Who's his father, by the way? Hmm. Now, someone is coming back into their life, a priest. And what's going on with him? That's the question I'm just going to ask, and you can find out. Mm. And uh, this priest is played by Yul Vasquez, another one of my favorite actors. <laughs> if you know Seinfeld, you'll know Yule. Okay, he yes. played one of the iconic supporting characters. Of Seinfeld. Uh, now, so we have this future of this vineyard. Who's going to have the future? Who's going to own it? And how does that past story reflect on these people? Who were they in 1987? Now, with that to wet your little beaks. Mm. Here's what I would say. My question for the show is, with John Ortiz and that wrinkle of the two timelines, do they add enough weight and complexity to expected soap opera stuff? Mm. That's the question. In the early going, maybe, maybe not. I can't really tell. I'm not hooked by it. Also, on OWN, there's a show right now, The Kings of Napa, that just started, where it's a Black family, kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the I thought the same thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. The <clears throat> difference is this has those timelines, which adds a little more to it. So that's the question. If you're interested in soap opera, hey, you got two for the price of one. Or if you're a sommelier, so <laughs> you can really dive deep into it. Now, guess who would have thought? I just can we just can we just mm. pause for a second? And I'm gonna clap. Nobody thought it. You did not think it that there was a franchise 
freaking star in the world of stars. Oh. And we're talking about power, of course, which we know is is long gone. Yeah. We know the ending. But we didn't know the beginning, so they gave us something with that. Oh. We didn't know what happened afterward. They gave us something with that. Yeah. Stuff is getting renewed. <laughs> <laughs> and they're adding the fourth book. They, you know, they call these power books, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're getting to know, you know, the Vidisic character. We're getting to know what happened mm-hmm. to Ghost Kids. And we're getting to know what pre-happened, you know. Pre- mm-hmm. Now we're going to power book for force yeah and this is a specific character that many have come to love and many have not Mm. he is loyal but he ain't you know Mm. just all of these things um and people chattering on social media is like it's about time and then some people are like do we really need so the Mm. question is Mm -hmm. where do you lie Critic, and then there's a power book five coming in. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) Just turn stars, change your name, make it Power Outlander, and then we're done. (laughs) So, Joseph Sakura is back as Tommy Egan. We know at the end of Power proper, he said, I'm going to Cali and shot the dude in the head. They showed us here because I didn't make it to the end of Power. Sorry, couldn't do Uh, it. Okay, okay. So they show you some of all of that stuff that happened as he's driving, but he has a little pit stop. He's going to Chicago. Why? Mm-hmm. He got some family there. What's that family like? His mama, his grandmama, somebody he's never met before who is a sibling. Mm. Mm. Now, when he first arrives and parks, somebody has a problem with how he's parking. <laughs> What's that exchange like? And eventually he goes to this local bar and, you know, there's a bartender there and, you know, she's kind of interested in him. And I'm looking at her like, there's no way. Yeah, come on. That she would be in this bar behind tending bar during the day. Ain't no way ever. (laughs) Talking about some soup they got in the back. No. (laughs) But okay. Hair is all out. I'm like, no, this would never happen. But in he walks. You, and you can imagine what happens between the two. It's power. Yeah. I mean, you know, you've got to get the sex scenes, even though they make no sense. It's just like, why am I watching this? Anyway. <sighs> but all of this leads to him running up on a crime family. And it's headed by Tommy Flanagan's character, Walter Flynn. Oh, I thought you were going to say uh, <laughs> Jeremy Renner. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> no, but he has a son and a daughter. The daughter wants to take over all that. He's like, no, you do the books. You're not on the street like the son. The son is an idiot. So Tommy, the character, meets this son in a certain situation. A drug deal's going down. He saves the son after like forcing the son in to the room so he could get in. And when they get into this room, there is another drug outfit where he's like, what are you doing here? And who are these people selling the drugs, by the way? This man, okay, is the head of like the black crime family, the one they meet in here. He was in this place with these people selling these drugs for how long and he didn't notice something was up. It was ridiculous. Also, speaking of him, Somebody's getting out of prison who used to be the head of that black crime family. 
what's he going to be up to? So there we go. And now Tommy's supposed to be going to Cali. Will he make it? Oh, come on. Somebody might want him to go, but them wanting him to go might be the reason he stays. If we rank the power shows. Please do. Power Book 2 Ghosts is by far the worst. (laughs) It is deplorable television. Okay. Now, after that, the best, of course, is Power Book 3 Raising Canaan. There's no question. Okay, but I think a lot of people are going to disagree with you, but thank you. And they're incorrect. (laughs) This is not even opinion. It is by far the best. It's the best written. It's the best executed, period. I don't care what you like. That's a fact. (laughs) Now, in the middle, we have, you know, Power and this show. The writing's a mess on every level, every single level. It's kind of like ref recent Clint Eastwood. That's what it reminded me of. It's off. The writing's weird. But maybe there's a reason to watch. The question is, is this good, bad, or bad, bad? Do they really want me to take Tommy seriously? I mean, that first encounter he has with the guy where he's parking, I'm like, is this a joke or is this serious? Like, Now, across the first episode, they kind of get a little better, but that don't mean much. If you're a power fan, you know what to do. If you're not, I don't think this is your entree into the world. It is still raising Canaan. Say what you want. That is by far, it's not even close, the best. Okay, well, send all your mail to the critic. Now, the Gilded <laughs> Good luck Age. if you send the mail if it makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the Bronx. Uh, the Gilded Age <laughs> is, you know, it's all over my Instagram. I don't know why, maybe because... <laughs> I say things like, oh, Downton Abbey, or I don't know. I'm not sure. But The Gilded Age is Julian Fellow's newest iteration. Mm. And I have to say that there were rumors upon rumors that Downton Abbey would continue its story or sideline its story to the Americas. Mm -hmm. And we never got it. This may have been in the rumor mill. Now, I'm not connecting the two. You will definitely talk about the timelines of that. It seems a bit more aged than Downton Abbey. Remember, Downton Abbey, we're in the roaring, last of the roaring 20s at this point into the 30s. And we know the new movie will take place then. Mm -hmm. The the second sequel movie of Downton Abbey. So this is Julian Fellows with American Actors. Yeah. In America, mm. doing American things. Ooh. And it is in the 1880s. So around, not a little bit before Downton Abbey. That's right. A few decades. And we are in New York City. Do you need to get a rope? <laughs> now, we got a whole bunch of characters going on here. Of course, it's Julian Fellows. So... We meet first character. Oh my goodness, is a certain person who's traveling to see her aunts. So she's Marion, played by Louisa Jacobson, who, by the way, is another daughter of Meryl Streep. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So her father has just died. She's going to see her aunts. That was their brother in New York City. She has no money. Hmm. Now, when she's getting on the train, she meets someone 
And this someone is played by Danae Benton. Peggy Scott. She's black. Peggy. Uh-oh. We got some black people in here now. Thank God. It's America, though. It's, yeah. it's America. And Peggy helps Marion out. So Marion wants to return the favor. So what happens is, and I won't tell you how, both Marion and Peggy end up at Marion's aunt's doorstep. Hmm. Now, Marion's aunts, played by Christine Baranski and Cynthia Nixon, they got money, especially Christine Baranski's character, Aunt Agnes, and Cynthia's character is Aunt Ada. Now, Aunt Agnes married well because she had to. And she has taken care of her sister. The brother made some decisions she doesn't like, so that relationship was strained. They didn't even attend the funeral. So in comes Marion, but these aunts are going to go, you know what, we're going to make sure you are in the right position in this society. You need to marry well, all of that. You got to fraternize with the right people because at this time, the nouveau riche you, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. coming up. Yep. Now, Peggy, there's something about her that catches Aunt Agnes's eye. She gets a job. But Aunt Agnes is like, who are your people? You know, are you going to see them? She does have a mother and father, but she's really cagey about it. Why? And we see in the first episode who the mother's played by, Audra McDonald. Yes, we do. <laughs> now, across the street, and this is when the streets were really wide with dirt in them, is a huge mansion, an edifice that has been erected. And if you know the musical Ragtime, you know who erected this, who the architect was? Stanford White. Oh, boy. Now, at the time, this doesn't mean much to the, you know, the old. But we know what's going to happen. Right. It's hilarious. They're like, okay, why didn't you have this guy do it? Stanford White. (laughs) And these people across the way, they got a lot of money, but they earned it. They're not old rich. And these are the Russells. Bertha and George, played by Carrie Coon and Morgan Spector. And George is in the railroad business. And he's in it. He's taken over. And if you are in his way, he will run you over. Well, that's what a railroad business does. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Bertha wants to be accepted by the old rich. And she thinks her way to do it is to show off their money. Does it work? And who are the people she has to get the attention of? Now, she has a young daughter who isn't out yet. So, you know, she can't go to Out in society. That's right. Out in society, yeah. She can't go to balls. She can't, you know, even have dinner dinners with men. The daughter ain't having none of that. Played by Tyson Carliga. They also have a, an older son who's, you know, just as nice as can be. Larry, played by Harry Richardson. And he ends up befriending the son of Aunt Agnes. They're right across the street. And this son is played by Blake Ritson, who if you know Blake Ritson, you go, something's up and something is up. Mm -hmm. He's getting older. He ain't married. Why? Mm. So all the tangled web we weave. And then there are other people who come up. There is a certain Astor family. Can the Russells get their attention? And, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then of course you also have 
the downstairs people. I mean, we always have upstairs, downstairs from Julian. So we have these two houses, all of their servants. Yes. What's that like? And how is Peggy received by the servants of Aunt Agnes? Mm-hmm. She's not in the same position, Marion. That's right. Now, with all of that said, all of that, we have pace in the show. We have sweeping visuals. Like at least half of the cast is from Broadway. Yes, yes, they know what they're doing. They're on voice. There's clean rhythm. So, with all of that said. You got secrets, you got race going on, you got Julian Fellows and upstairs, downstairs, old money, new money, all of that. It's lavish, it's period piece fun. So if you like Downton, you like Belgravia, why not the Gilded Age? Is it going to be new? No, not yet. I don't care. What's next? Well, this is us. (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, yeah, this just popped up on my screen. Well, get it with it. (laughs) (laughs) This is us. Final season just started. Someone's still watching it for some reason. Tell us why, bro. No, I said I would because you have abandoned it. And I did it at one point. Yes, it did. But (laughs) this is us because we know that most of us won't be jumping in. So we're just going to cut through it. However, if you do want to jump in, there's some chatter online that people are finally waking up to the fact that this is it. And so they're trying to do a catch up. Well, let's talk about the fact that um, we're at a point where Rebecca is in the timeline where she's older. She's got very, very bad dementia. It's coming in. It's coming through. It's not all the way through. So she's with it. And then she's not with it. And so all of season five, they were debating on whether to put her or get this treatment. And she's for, she forwent all that. She was, I'm going to do this naturally. Now there are issues to that. Like, for example, as we're going through the season, she's loving her grandchildren, especially the grandchildren by Kate and Toby. Is she fit to keep them? So you'll see how they work through that issue because we know from all throughout the season, Kate and Rebecca had a very contentious relationship as mother and daughter. Right. Finally, they're on track and then this happens. So you'll see how they deal with that. That's one area. Speaking of Kate and Toby, Toby lost a lot of weight as we knew from last season. Mm. And now he's got this new swanky job. But guess what? The job is out of town and he has to fly every weekend back and forth. Now I'm not going to ruin it, but because we go into the future and we know how some things land, you're seeing how we get to the future in terms of Toby and Kate. I'll just leave it there. Mm -hmm. It's slowly creeping through and it's a hard watch for some parts, but not so much. In dealing with Kevin, you know, Kevin ain't landed anywhere. Kevin's all over the place. But as we know from last season, Kevin's now a dad of twins. Mm -hmm. Now his baby mama, who we all know has been with us throughout the season, um, you know, Sophie, remember she was in um, uh, the support group for uh, weight um, issues, even though she was 
didn't have literally weight issues. She still was bulimic and things like that. Mm. She and Kevin, as we know from last season, hooked up, had kids, but they're co-parenting now. They're not together. Mm. What does that mean? Get this. What does it mean when Kevin, who comes from the family with Jack and everybody, the perfect dad, the perfect family, mm. What? how does he put that on his current parenting style? It is very difficult and he makes a very big decision this season to revisit his past in a way that's a bit shocking you didn't think he would make that decision and he made this decision to revisit a very interesting past based on being close to his children so if you're if you're smelling if you've been watching it you will know because they were hinting a little bit last season if he would revisit this past in mm-hmm. order to be a good parent. Now, you know why I'm watching the show. I do love Jack, but they have abandoned that character two or three seasons ago. After we find out how Jack dies, after we find out all the details of Vietnam, he's just there floating around, filling it in. We know we had a heart. We, there's no more mystery around Jack, so we were in the past. He's just being the wonderful dad that we all love and wish we had. And we really don't, I mean, there's no urgency or anything to that storyline. I'm so sorry because Milo does an amazing job and he was a favorite. But you know why I'm watching? I'm watching it because of Randall Pearson and his lovely, beautiful, co-parenting, wonderful, superpower, superwoman wife, Beth. Mm -hmm. You know, they have those three kids. And you know, from last season... They, as a family, experienced a lot of change. One of their daughters came out. Deja, their adopted daughter, we know she's dating Malik. We know Malik had a child as a teenager. Yeah. And he's still a teenager. Uh, What do teenagers do? Now, Malik has already done that, and it's proof through a child. And Deja is now fiddling around with that. You'll see how that pans out. You'll see what she does to do what she did. Mm-hmm. And you'll see how Randall experiences that. And then a bomb is dropped. Mm. They say they want to do something that shocks both Beth and Randall. And it ain't too far from how Beth and Randall started. So what are they going to do? Are they going to allow this ask to go unanswered? Well, if they do, they might lose Deja. And if they don't, they might lose Deja. So it really is complicated um, with, with that side of the family. Overall, This Is Us is the same. There is nothing new here. You know, sometimes when you watch a last season, you go, ooh, you know, they're going to really rush it and, you know, get to the to the big parts. Uncle Nicky's still floating around. You know, Kevin's still trying to find love. Mm-hmm. Jack is still a great dad. Rebecca is still trying to figure out, you know, she she's, you know, we, we see her love relationship with, Man, uh, with Miguel blossom but then we you know she's doing all kinds of things in in timeline kate and toby are having problems they're trying to do the best they can it's this is us so if you want to finish what you started Mm -hmm. and you drop the last season i think you could just pick it right up i'm not kidding you just go ahead and start watching start watching from the top of the season even you critic i know you won't but even you Mm -hmm. if you wanted to just be like hey i invested 
three years of my life in this. Mm-hmm. I want to just finish it. To me, they're doing enough to fill you in. You can pick it right back up and you will be right back where you are. It's like a glorified, wonderful, brilliant soap opera that's ending. So there you have it with This Is Us. Now let's talk about something that we both love, all creatures great and small. It's one of those things that if you, you it, it grows on you. It yeah. totally 100% grows on you because when you start watching it, you think, Ugh. well, guess what? It's already in its second season and it's been renewed for three and four. It's just that kind of show. <laughs> think of, um, if you like, um, uh, I, I can't, uh, calling the midwife or calling the, you know, call that, them, yeah, call the midwife. It, mm-hmm. Call the midwife. If you like that show, it is not about that at all. No. But it, there's a procedural element to it. And also, it's one of those shows that you can watch with anybody in the family. Now, if the kid, kids may not be as entertained. Right. But <laughs> it's anybody in the family because these characters are safe. Yes, they are. And in particular, we're talking about James Harriet. He's a vet. And that means veterinary surgeon. And he has left his mama and his papa. He's come on over to England in the yep. north to do his job. And he is working with Siegfried. Yes, we remember Siegfried. <laughs> what a character. Oh, yes, very particular about how everything is supposed to be done. Not just being a vet, but in your own life. And Siegfried's younger brother is supposed to be in the family business. We know from season one, he was supposed to pass the test. Did he actually pass it? They said he did. What's going on with that? Mm. So we have to figure out what's going on with Tristan, that younger brother. And we also have Mrs. Hall. (laughs) She's, she'd be putting up with stuff. (laughs) She does. And she runs that house, Mrs. Hall. And she runs it. She does. She Oh, she will run it. Mrs. Hall, and she'll answer that phone too. Okay, you come a call, you better have it right for Mrs. Hall. We love Mrs. Hall. Now, Mrs. Hall has a son who is in the armed forces. Yeah. So keep in mind, there is war looming. Mm-hmm. We're in the 30s, it's coming, and it's creeping into the show. We can mm. see it happening. They don't know what's coming, but unfortunately, we do. Now, in season two, James and a certain local woman. Mm. What's going on with them? Because she was engaged, remember? She sure was a full engaged. <laughs> Is she engaged again? Is she? I don't know. You're going to have to watch season two to see what that means. And how is James involved? Because well, He wants to is, be involved. <laughs> yeah. But James got an offer back home at a veterinary hospital that is state of the art. They have x-rays. Oh. And his mother wants him back home. Why not? Is there something that's going to keep him in the north of England, in Yorkshire? (laughs) Now, when it comes to Siegfried, there is a woman that pops up and is she interested in him? Is he interested in her? Is this from the last season, woman? Well, I'm not going to say Oh, but you're going to see what's happening and you're going to see how everybody's looking at the two of them. Uh-oh. What's going on there? For Mrs. Hall, 
Now, she is Mrs. <laughs> Hall, but yes. she's a widow. Mm-hmm. There is a man who enters with a dog. And he knows all about clocks and everything else because they have a little clock that has to be wound and they have a little discussion. Is Mrs. Hall open to those overtures? Mm. <laughs> those overtures. <laughs> now, we know that Tristan is always open to everything. So I know, mean, that's, come that's on. not the issue. The issue for Tristan is what's his career going to be? Yeah, yeah. And then we also have one of their favorite benefactors. Forget just a client. Benefactors. Who unfortunately, Diana Rigg passed away who was the original cast. And we have a new a cast member here still taking over that role. And oh, it's now, okay. Yeah. It's okay. now played by Patricia Hodge, who, I mean, we still have her dog that has all of these problems. Okay, Tricky Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so Tricky Woo is back. But what state is Tricky Woo in? Yeah. There's another dog that Tricky Woo might have his eye on. So we go through the season and you have the Christmas special that we always have in the end and you see where these people end up. Let me tell y'all something. If you're an animal lover, definitely you got to watch this. But mm-hmm. even if you're not, this is charming. It is comforting. Like you were saying, Raph, you feel safe. I love it for its simplicity. I love it for its goodness. And I can't wait to see season three because I did finish season two. Well, it's on PBS. So you're going to have to have that subscription. If you can't watch it, well, it's, you know, you have to watch it as it comes out. (laughs) Let's talk about Resident Alien. Now, this is one of those sci-fi shows that we talk about a lot. I forget about it. And then when you start talking about it, I'm like, oh, my gosh. It has picked up speed in in, as far as popularity. The word is slowly getting out. Mm -hmm. Resident Alien is, you know... You know how they they're splitting it up. You get a little bit this way, you get a little bit that way. Um, the season. So this is the alien who came to Earth and doesn't like Earthlings. So and he's an Earthling in disguise. So we and if I'm if my memory serves correctly, yeah. the secret ain't such a secret, especially with a a certain somebody who yeah. can see him for who he is. Mm. A certain little pesky kid who he still don't like this kid. <laughs> now, remember, his mission was to come to Earth and eradicate humans. Yes. And this alien is played by Alan Tudyk, just beautifully played by Alan. <laughs> and his his disguise is Dr. Harry Vanderspiegel. What happened to the real Dr. Harry is the question, because a foot has surfaced in the lake Uh-oh. outside of his house. Whose foot? We know whose. Yeah. But the cops, the sheriff, and his deputy are on the prowl. And they are played by Corey Reynolds. And the little deputy is played by Elizabeth Bowen. Now, the two of them, they have ideas of where this foot may have come from, how this could happen. And they know that Dr. Harry is involved. They've got to be careful, though. Oh, yeah. Now, what they think might be far-fetched, but is it? <laughs> like, we know what happened. So they are saying stuff that would seem ridiculous, is it? Now, when it comes to Harry, the alien, we know this little kid he doesn't like, and his, the little kid's father is the mayor of the town, 
but there is uh, like this whole invasion that happened in their house and it got out. So now this little town in Colorado is starting to get a bad reputation. Mm. It's dangerous. Uh-oh. Oh my goodness. And there's another town close by that is doing a little advertisement that says, hey, come on over to us. We're safe. Mm. Now, the mayor took care of these two interlopers in his house. Why were they in there? It's connected to Harry. He knocked them out real good. So he's feeling real good about himself. His wife is feeling even better about him after seeing that. So much so that their son can't take it and neither can Harry. Who wants to see all of that? (laughs) They can't keep their hands off of each other. Now, this son was involved in thwarting Harry's plan at the end of season one. Plan to do what? Mm. But another person was involved in that as well. His best friend. Yes, he has a friend who's a human, Asta, played by Sarah Tomko. He's supposed to kill all humans. Can he kill Mm. Asta? Is there a way to save her but still get the mission done? And if he doesn't get the mission done, will that stop it? Or are there other aliens on their way? You know where they are. Now, I've seen the first two episodes of season two. For Harry, he's had some memory loss. What happens? What does he say, you know, to people? Because he's lost his memories. Again, eventually he, you know, gets them back. What about his ship? He was out in space, ready to do his task. He's now back on Earth. Where's the ship? Is it safe? If people find out about it, will that be a problem? Mm. And will he be a savior or will he go forward with the demise of all humanity? This is, I mean, it's just fun. Like, if you like season one, you'll like season two. Keep watching it. This cast knows what it's doing. Alan Tudyk is, I mean, he just, he sets the tone and everybody follows. So that, my friends, is Resident Alien. We will have this first part ending in March, and then the second part will be coming later on this year. Yes, perfect summer watch. On sci-fi, by the way. Remember, some of you forgot you had it. All right, now let's, so you don't forget you have this because you paying, mm. what, $15, $16 mm. a month. This is one of the strangest, Mm-mm. hands down, TV shows that I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. J- just strange all around. And it comes to us from a very well-known, trusted, creative eye mm-hmm. and direction. First couple episodes, I believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On HBO Max, Raised by Wolves is back. Oh my gosh. Now, <laughs> Raised by Wolves, you remember us talking about it. You remember us talking about a couple episodes where there's milk flying everywhere and oh. juices, stuff coming out of people's stomachs and creatures and people going crazy, worshiping pyramids. <laughs> and I, you know, it's a mom, mother, sorry, mother, father. Oh, it's yeah. so much happening. And by the time you got to the end, mm. you thought to yourself, are they crazy or am I? They are. Okay. <laughs> We're back for season two. Cliffhanger ending. Yeah. Lots of unanswered questions. You are in this world. For me, all that stuff. You're mm. in that world and you accept these things. I'm going to need some handholding. Everybody's going to need it. 
Now, this is kind of like Westworld. When you go through season one, you get to season two, it's now time to like start getting down to the business. Will you or won't you? Make or break time. So in season two, mother and father are back. Mother, we know, is this killing machine, but her eyes are gone. Has she been deactivated? And they have six kids. What happened to the seventh? They think the seventh died. She keep popping up everywhere, so I don't know. We saw the kid that came out of her at the end of season one. <laughs> was that Where, a kid? Well, it was hers. <laughs> I don't know what that thing was. Now, keep in mind, these are androids, mother and father. Yes. How does she have a kid? What is this kid? It ain't human. It ain't Andrew. Well, you'll see. Well, God knows what that thing was. It's like, um, I'm not even going to say it. You'll have to watch. Okay. All right. So her other six children, you know, they were all in danger, all this stuff. And there was this war on Earth where they had to come to this planet. And yeah, you may have to review between, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it was between essentially religious people and atheists. And the androids are from the atheist side. And they finally find some atheists on this planet. They finally make it. But so do some religious people. So mother, father, the kids are with this atheist contingent. And they are guided by artificial intelligence that is designed to let the humans take over when they're ready. It's the AI's decision. What's that going to be? And this AI has certain things it wants mother to do. What? And what's going on with these kids? One kid in particular whose parents, well, are they his parents? <laughs> poor, poor kid. Are played by Travis Fimmel, <laughs> father, because we know who he is from Vikings, Ragnar yes, Lothbrok. We love him. So he plays the father, but he like had some sort of conversion. He touched this like thing that gave him this Pyra energy. He Pyramid that, thingy. Yeah. yeah. He thinks that now, you know, he has the power of a God, that kind of thing. He was an atheist. Is he now religious? And soul is this God they keep talking about. And there's this prophecy. Yes. He thinks he's the fulfillment of that. But he's trying to convert people and pull them to his part of this planet. Now, this planet's dangerous. I mean, the water has acid in it, all this other stuff. So he meets a new character and her daughter. What does that mean? Pulls them in. He tries to pull in other people. Is he going to be successful? And where is all this going? Because there is a threat floating around that needs to be taken care of, that's connected to these people. Raised by wolves. From Ridley My Scott. question, <laughs> watching it ref in season two is, what is the actual threat? I can't even follow it anymore. I don't mm. know what to be scared of. It's that unclear that I don't know. And that's an issue. In the Alien movies, I don't care which one you talk about, we know the threat, it's clear. As confusing as they can be for people, you know what to be scared of. Yeah, yeah. This, I'm just kind of like, Meh. Now, if you're confused, they do a talk after every episode. Watch it. That might clear it up. I'm on the fence. This is a show that they ain't got much longer with me. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, that's unfortunate because like Westworld season one, thrilling, interesting, confusing. We all were in for the ride. Yeah. And then season two, different things. So I hope that uh, raising... Uh, raised by wolves can turn its ship. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna do something here. We're gonna go to a sneak peek. Ooh. 
of a new show that's on Netflix from us in suspense at the end. How dare you? A why watch that sneak peek? Listen, Shonda Rhimes. Remember, remember when? Remember when? Remember when we heard years ago that she signed that overall with Netflix of hundreds of millions of dollars? Mm-hmm. Well, her first joint was Netflix's biggest, most watched, mm-hmm. Bridgerton. Mm-hmm. She's back, inventing Anna. Can she do it again? Now, if we know anything about Shonda Rhimes, she gonna make you watch. Do you always want to watch? Oh, no. <laughs> but she gonna keep you glued, um, cover your eyes and all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is like based on a true story about a person who called herself Anna Delvey. Is that a real name? She claimed to be this uh, wealthy heiress who is of German pedigree, but is she really Russian? She said she was like born and raised in Ohio or something. This person is played by Julia Garner, yes, from Ozark, two-time Emmy Award winner. Mm -hmm. So in this story, we have Anna Klumsky's character, Vivian, who is a reporter, and something happened in her past that has hobbled her career. What is that something? But she comes across this story about Anna and she thinks there's more to it. She thinks this will be her way to redeem her name and get back on the cover of the magazine, Manhattan Magazine. Now she's been shunted to the back of the newsroom with all the old heads. Mm. So these are former reporters whose glory days are gone and you know they're not getting the big stories anymore. Now it's a trio of them played by some amazing actors, Anna Devere Smith, Jeff Perry, and Terry Kenny. And they decide to help her dive down deep into the story of Anna. Now, she's supposed to be on assignment doing something else. So how can she do this story? And Anna is at Rikers prison. Well, well, well. So she got to get in there. And you can't just like show up and say, hey, tell me your life story. How is she going to get this story of Anna? Because Anna wormed her way into the upper crust of New York social society. All these rich people got them to spend money on her, provide money for her to travel and stay in wonderful homes and have clothing because she said she had money. It's just that she wanted to come up with her own way to get money without her father's help. Is she telling the truth? Is she telling a lie? And who are all of these wealthy people and others she was with? The wealthy people and their hangers on. Hmm. It's all kinds of people you've seen before in Shonda shows and elsewhere. Of course. Now, the title is Inventing Anna. So that gives it away if you don't know this true story anyway. And it's based on a New York magazine article, how Anna Sorokin Delvey tricked New York's party people by Jessica Pressler. Now... This is already making its rounds about Julia's accent as Anna. She had to explain where she got it from. Mm. Because again, is she Russian? Is she German? What is going on? What's happening here? For me, the accent was driving me crazy. Oh, see? 
<laughs> and it's because no one speaks like this. So you you almost have to like, it, it, it's just distracting. Not that I think it's wrong. It's just hard to pay attention. It, it pulls your attention in a way that's not good. Also, I don't care about Anna. I don't care about the people. They're not that interesting. I want Shonda to go further here. This is a time, Shonda, to really go and go nuts. Like, yeah. really play this up. I don't know why these people fell for Anna. I don't know why. I don't get it watching the first three episodes. That's as far as I got. The most interesting part to me was that trio of reporters that was with Anna Klumski's character. When they are on together, there's a rhythm to it. I would rather see who they are, how they work, than anything about Anna. So it's not as fun as The Catch. It's not as ridiculous as Scandal. It's not as soapy as Bridgerton. I wouldn't call it bad, but it's not the full-on entertainment it should be, especially when you start watching it, you think it's about to really go, but it kind of stalls. Well, maybe it's on the back end. Who No, I mean, if you didn't watch Bridgerton all the way, you would be lost. You wouldn't know what all the hoopla was about. So, you know, you know, who knows? We, we don't have watch. quite the slinking, you know. All yeah. <laughs> Look, we didn't know there was slinking until you got to, you know, some episodes. So, you know, I'd say if you are a Shonda Rhimes fan, you better watch that thing to yeah. the end. You don't know what you're going to miss. But let's let's talk about something else here. We're going to end this um, podcast. Uh, or so, not if we're going to end this episode with a show that the critic and I have absolutely been thrilled mm. and inspired by. Mm. And it just, it's one of those shows that's once in a generation. Oh, and some of you are thinking, <laughs> you know what? You think I would know those words by now? No, I didn't not. even look it up. <laughs> oh, see what I would do. Um, this is none other than the highly anticipated season of Gamora. Now you've heard us talk about it. It was, you know, you had to you had to scrape and find Gamora for um for quite a bit of time because it was attached to um a company that had experienced some legal issues and and yeah. ethical issues um moral issues as well so they were trying to figure out what to do with it so it, it was on netflix a couple mm. season then it was just floundering a little bit carrying on mind you in italy <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. then we had to catch up to that and now HBO Max gave it a home. Mm-hmm. And so we watched season 4 and we even watched the movie spin-off yes. that solely dealt with Chiro called, you know, the uh, uh Immortale and that's Chiro's street name. Yes. He is the immortal. Yes. Now, this is season 5. Mm. Final season. Final season. And if you watched, to me, I know people say you don't have to. Yes, you do. Watch season one through four, Immortale, Immortale. Yeah. And then season. No, people, I'm telling you, because you're not, you're not on the, they're like, you don't need to watch the movie. Watch the movie. Because how season three ends, and you get to, I'm sorry. Um, do it this way. Watch one through three, 
Li Mortale. You can you can go four go either four. up up a four. Yeah. Yeah, go, go to, to four, four, five. Yeah. Because how season three ended, we know that Chiro was shot and left for dead in the sea. Yeah. We know that Jenny had to carry on through season four. Lots of stuff happened. Mm-hmm. A lot. In yeah. fact, he touched a hornet's nest. And you're going to talk about that. Because mm-hmm. this is a whole other way of doing business. The hornet's nest that he touched during season four. And it's his family. But is it? Well, yes. And then Chiro, we found out, wasn't dead. But did Jenny know that? You'll find that out. Mm-hmm. And now we have season five. Yes. What's going on here? Because this is it. There is no more Gamora after this. So things have to end. Or do they? Well, now if you have not seen seasons one through four, Li Mortale, you might not want to listen to this. In fact, don't. Well, and I almost don't want to because, you know, I haven't seen season five yet. But Well, not season I have five. Seen... I will not spoil that. Okay, there we go. Okay. But if you haven't seen seasons one through four... Yeah, spoil, spoil, go ahead. Go yeah. do your thing. Do your so We thing. know Jenny and Chiro, they're like brothers, but- More than they, brothers. Yeah, well, oh. they're brothers, they're enemies, they're friends. I mean- It's weird. They've killed people that they, each other's loves and- Killed each other almost? Well, <laughs> both of them. In season three, you know, it was very hard for Jenny to do what he was forced to do by Sangre Blue. Mr. Blue Blood himself. Blue Blood. Chiro went into that water. You said Jenny in season four. He's now as a son. He has his wife. He's trying to become legitimate. There's this prosecutor on the prowl. And then he had this uncle and the rest of his family we didn't know about. And they're completely crazy. What happened well, in the season four? But that's Sicilian mob. That's a whole, that's a whole other way to do business. And they found out Jenny's way of doing business at the end of season four. Sure. <laughs> Who's surviving in the family? Ooh. Uh-oh. And what are they doing in season five? Ooh. Mm. Okay. Now, we know in Limortale, Chiro's mm-hmm. alive. He we is alive. He pops up at the end. Oh, I watched it so many times I cried. Oh, we were so excited. So season five starts a little before that. And then leads right into that in episode okay. one. Gotcha. What happens after Chiro and Jenny see each other again? Now keep in mind that what is Jenny's past with people he's loved? What have they always done? Left. Mm-hmm. So how is he going to receive Chiro? How is Chiro going to receive Jenny? Chiro is in Latvia. Okay. So he's in Litania, I believe it is in Italian. So does he want to come back to Italy? He's out. He's done. Bye. Uh-oh. Well, he's got to come back. In what circumstance? How? Mm. Why? And when he does, what's going on between Jenny and Chiro? That's this show. Yes. Come on and That's say it. That's this show. And they stick to it, don't they? They stick to it like, I, I mean... No one else has ever done before is storytelling. Come on. Who's surviving? I said my boy Sangre Blue, Mr. Blue Blood. 
And they have some of the best character names in all of television. <laughs> okay. The vocabulary. My the boys, Bellebois. Okay. Which they translate <laughs> as pure and simple in English. I mean, it's just hilarious. You get some dude named Top Model. We get new characters. We get someone called Little Monk. Who is that? And he is standing <laughs> back waiting. He reminded me of El Chapo. I was looking at him like, uh-oh. We also have a Maestral new character and his wife. They come in. How are they connected to Jenny? What's their agenda? Mm-hmm. We have some of our, you know, perennial favorites. Cantonese. Who's left? <laughs> Who's I mean, left? he's left. Pita Bull. <laughs> we see him come back. Whose side are all of these people on? And what are the sides to be on? Is there more than one side? Is there only one side? And there is a certain person connected to one of the bosses, the gentleman, and he is a gentleman in all ways, the way he sits, the way he treats people. And this person is upset, very upset, the height of upset by something Jenny does. Oh no. And this causes a problem because Jenny still or does he wants to get out his wife does but after season four after finding chiro again where is he does he still want to be legit is it possible and in the end what are all of these relationships and where is everybody i can't take it now from the first episode of season five i had a sinking feeling i was already mourning and that's m-o-u-r-n what I was witnessing. I said to myself, there's no way that they're gonna make it. This is good. None of this is good. Every episode, and I watched this with my brother. My brother was kind of like, yeah, I see it, but he wasn't feeling it as much. Because the question is, how do you feel about Chiro and Jenny? Love Chiro. But when they grew Jenny up in season two, I started to love him too. You do love Jenny. So smart, psychologically, he understands people. Yes, Jenny he does. does not. But Jenny understands his own limitations, which is the challenge in their relationship. Jenny knows he needs Chiro. Does Chiro need Jenny? So watching it, <sighs> it it's, I mean, this is like the slowest moving car crash I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Worse than rectify. <laughs> Look, I, I almost <laughs> couldn't take it. And in the final episode, my brother turned to me and he said, you know what? You were right. <laughs> this is breaking my heart. Aww. Just completely breaking my heart to watch. The point is these characters they've created are so clear yep. that I understand what they're going to do before they're about to do it. It all fits. And you're watching them going, no, you can't do this, but they're going to do it anyway. There's a show I wanted to see in season five that they're not going to give me. I know why they didn't, but I wanted a certain thing to happen and it didn't happen. For me, this is beyond criticism. I was all in knots. My heart was broken for a bunch of criminals. <laughs> this is... Who did some deplorable... Th- like, I mean... Terrible. <laughs> I don't care. Children, wives, yes. doesn't matter. This is one of the greatest shows ever. <laughs> I don't... And, like, I can't even say I enjoyed watching season five. I had to watch it. They forced me into this situation and the ending... 
So that is Gamora. They live up to the title. Goodbye. R.I.P. to all of you. I hope to see you again. Did you just ruin it? No, I, I mean, they're gone. Like, you know, okay. the show is gone. All right. It's I been a you. wild ride. And guess what? <laughs> You'll get to live through my texts because I yeah. haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And... I, I look, please. I know what's coming <laughs> to me. So. <laughs> You should have, you know, listeners, we have to wrap this, but I, when I watched, when I watched Libertale, I just, I, I text you and I was just like, oh, fuck. I mean, tears everywhere. It was such a beautiful moment yeah. for criminals. So thank you for five amazing seasons and a movie. And I will have to agree with you. And I haven't seen season five. It is one of the best TV shows, period. Writing, casting. Yeah. Execution. It never was cheesy. All of it. R.I.P. Gamora. So here's the thing. We give you a lot for this episode. I mean, we range from good, wholesome family, uh, veterinarian, animal loving, <laughs> wonderful thing on PBS. Oh my gosh, Pam and Tommy. You know oh. what they're all going through to this ending of Gamora. Yeah. There is, TV is really in its golden age. And we hope that you just take it by its antennas mm. and just watch, watch, watch. Because we're here for you. And we'll cry <laughs> and laugh with you too. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea. And we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.